sight Caterpillar to a butterfly It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Glad you're with me this morning. Waking up, it's eight minutes after seven o'clock. Good morning, it's green and growing on your radio for two more hours. Ashley Frasca, you hear me during the week. Triple team traffic Monday through Friday. Get to sleep in an extra hour and a half to be with you on Saturday. So glad to start the show at 6 a.m. and here till 9 with you. And then Dave Baker and the Home Fix It show comes up next. So Carol had a great question, and it's one that I've not gotten before. Um, I knew Irish bo- or <laughs> Irish. They're not Irish. They're they're American. They're any country you want them to be. Iris borers. Um, I knew that was a thing, but I've got a ton of irises, Siberian and otherwise, in the yard that have never been impacted by this. So Carol and Marietta had iris borers, uh, what to do. So right now, kind of where we're at in the fall, is the time to just destroy the old leaves, any plant debris nearby, because their life cycle, they lay eggs, they hatch in the early spring, they become caterpillars, that's when throughout the summer they're doing a lot of damage, traveling up and down the blade of the leaf and kind of living at the top of the rhizome there at the... uh, you know, at the top of the soil level, and then they'll become moths. Uh, They go back down into the soil in the fall, and, uh, you know, the caterpillars kind of hole up there, and then they become moths. So it's kind of this life cycle. But getting ahead of it, since Carol had the problem, she read that spinosad, um, that's an active ingredient um, in a very, you know, popular pesticide. It's just a natural bacteria, Um, a leading pesticide used worldwide. It's approved for organic gardening. So we commonly know it as uh, in Bonide's Captain Jack's dead bug brew. Like that's, that's one, you know, product that spinosad is present in using that just before the eggs hatch. So that's early spring. So when you're just seeing the leaves emerge four to six inches high, maybe even a little shorter is the time in early spring to apply that. You may have to do a repeat application a couple of weeks later, um, but that's going to get to them before they hatch and all that. And then again, go through the life cycle of becoming the caterpillar in the summertime, climbing up and down the leaves. So like in June, you know, maybe Carol noticed in June, July, the first signs of the damage, chewing damage, also like water soaked streaks on the leaves. So when you look at the leaves, it's like, one half, one side of the leaf blade is kind of turning brown. It looks like it just either burned out or, you know, got too wet. And so that's that caterpillar, that that iris borer going up and down the leaf. And yeah, I mean, you don't want to, you know, keep the rhizomes in the ground if the plant's been affected because the larvae and stuff could still be near the rhizome in the ground. So very smart to dig those up. Otherwise, if you don't have the problem, um, I have never dug my irises up and tried to overwinter them or anything like that. Mine stay in the yard and they're just fine. Um, I need to move them around this year and really start to get a handle on my my iris beds because they have just overtaken things. But um, what a terrible issue to have. My goodness, I would hate that iris borer. So thank you for the call. I really appreciate it. Um, and Mickey Gasway weighing in as well. Be sure not to get anywhere near irises with any kind of manure. Um, she says that that will attract the iris borers as well. So 404-872-0750, that's the number you can call to get in, have a conversation with me, tell me what your problem is in the landscape, and also using this time to remind you that uh, the Great Georgia Pollinator Census, it is time. There's 365 days in a year, 
two days in August every year. This is the third year they've done it. Um, is all that they ask to help you really try to get a handle on and account on our pollinator friends, kind of see where Georgia stands. So this is the time yesterday and today, August 20th and 21st is the time that they're asking for your data for the pollinator census. Becky Griffin was uh, on the show, I believe it was around the end of June. And we talked about that. And we talked about firefly projects and all that kind of thing to really see where we're at with our insect populations. But this is her big project that she coordinates. Um, So to participate, Basically, what you're wanting to do is just identify the insects that come to one of your host plants, one of your pollinator plants. So you're asked to count bees, flies, butterflies, pollinators like that, even fireflies. I mean, they they could be lightning bugs, could be considered pollinators. They'll transfer pollen. Um, And then if you see bees, do the best you can to somewhat categorize them. You don't have to know exactly what it is, but if it's a bumblebee or a honeybee or carpenter bee, that kind of basic thing, even if you see a wasp or a hornet or something land on that. Um, Flies and butterflies, that's pretty self-explanatory. But when you do the count, you just sit in front of a plant. It doesn't even have to be in your yard. It could be in a garden. It could be near nearby on a nature hike. Sit in front of that plant for just 15 minutes and have a checklist with you and count which different insects you see and how many times they visit the plant. One could fly away, buzz around you, land right back on the plant. That's two visits. Um, So really looking at that and counting that. And there's so many resources online for you to be able to get the help to identify what you're looking at and what you've got. That way you're doing the count correctly. So on Facebook, you can look up Georgia Pollinator Census and follow the page on Facebook, Georgia Pollinator Census. And it's cool because it's blowing up this weekend. Yesterday and today, I'm getting all kinds of notifications, people taking pictures with their children and themselves sitting out in front of their plant, counting the insects, taking great close-up pictures of the bees and things like that, or the website where you can actually get the sheet to download, register yourself for the Pollinator Census. The website is GGA. PC.org. So that stands for Great Georgia Pollinator Census, but GGAPC.org. You see the frequently asked questions there. You know, do you have to be an entomologist to participate? Do you have to be an expert? No. Same kind of thing when we do the Great Backyard Bird Count um, in the wintertime. Same kind of thing. Just asking what you see and put little tally marks and mark it down. So uh, that's going to be a fun thing for maybe you and the kids to do. I don't think it's going to rain all day. So you got some time to sit out in front of the yard. 15 minutes is all you have to do. Stand still to participate in the pollinator census. 404-872-0750. More of your calls up next, Jim in Loganville. Hey, good morning, Jim. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm real good. What about you? Shoot, I'm still above dirt. I figured that's good enough. I like it. Uh, the question I had isn't concerning with what y'all are talking about right now, oh, but a problem I have. Um, I have an area of my yard, and I love my animals. I always have, always will. They sleep with me and everything else. But they have a certain area that they like to urinate in and have for a good many years. And uh, after it rains like this, uh, you know, real hard rains and stuff, and then it stops and so. We get a, uh, let's just say, an aroma that we would like to try to get rid of. And I was wondering if I used white lime because when we were in Southeast Asia and we had to uh, take care of some things that we knew were going to smell later, we'd use, oh, my gosh, 100-pound bags of lime to spread over um, uh, what we were doing and, and then bulldoze over the dirt over the top of all of them. And, um, 
And I was wondering if, if I put white lime over that area pretty good. And we're going camping tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow we're leaving. And uh, I was wondering right before I left, if I put white lime all over that area, water it down pretty good, and then we leave to go camping, would that help neutralize the uh, aroma? You know, I, I don't know enough about the differences in white lime, um, like agricultural lime, just what's right. sold for homeowners and stuff. That's an animal-friendly product. But then there's something hydrated lime, which that sounds like that's something a little more intense that you may have been talking about. Hydrated lime is, is highly toxic. Um, is that's caustic. what I was... Yeah, yes, ma'am. That's what I was wondering. I don't want to put it down if my puppy dogs come back and they, uh, they even though you can't see it but it's on the ground they get it on their feet uh ruby loves to love uh, she's a chewini and she <laughs> loves to lick her little paws oh, you gosh, know yeah. and everything and i don't want it to make them sick or anything and yeah. that's why i was uh wondering if you knew the the chemical difference between i use brown lime now that's used on the yard to get rid of uh moths or different things and uh, help the ground grow because we always use our fertilizer and our lime about every fall and every spring in yeah. reseed kentucky 31 but um I was just wondering if you knew the difference or um that if it would be bad for my puppy's paws yeah. and them licking it or anything. It sounds like I would definitely stay away from the hydrated lime. That's incredibly toxic. Um, I mean, you would need to have the protective gear to, to use hydrated lime. Um, of course, you know, people know lime to neutralize the soil's acidity, and it helps to, um, you know, turf grasses can grow a little bit better in alkaline soil when all of that is adjusted and all that. So the different kinds of lime that's available, you've just got to know the difference. So again, like agricultural lime is going to be something that's gentle, animal friendly. So there's a difference and that gets into kind of the chemical makeup that uh, that's above my pay grade, Jim, I wish I knew. So do a little bit of research, ask the hardware store, ask the nursery um, when you buy it and read the label and make sure you know, a lime may be beneficial to your yard, too, so you want to make sure you're at least getting the right kind that's not going to be too much for your lawn. Um, but there may be some other ideas, you know, to keep Fido away from the spots in the lawn that you're that you're wanting to detract from as well. So I would maybe look into something else before I would go that route, but I don't want to advise you incorrectly just knowing that you're going to be, you know, using that homeowner lime that is animal-friendly and safe versus uh, the hydrated lime. I just, I'm not sure chemically what the difference is. Be careful, read the label, and definitely talk to someone at the store. I'm glad you called about that, Jim. Thank you so much. We'll have Kevin, who's doing a project for his mother-in-law, Asiatic Jasmine, and Jan in Milledgeville wants to cut back lilies. Not day lilies, but cut back the lilies. So we'll get to that. 404-872-0750. And my guests from Premier Tree Solutions, ChopMyTree.com, will be in studio soon. So start thinking about the questions you have for them as it relates to your tree health. If you see maybe a canker or a limb that has lichens on it or something that doesn't look right, or maybe there's a portion of your dogwood tree where there's just one spot where all the leaves are dying out in the center 
anything like that, tree damage from some of the storms we've had, if limbs have fallen and broken, the roots look a little more above ground than they should, this is going to be the time to talk to Jeff Roth and Rafael Santiago from ChopMyTree.com. So we'll be back. Take a break from Green and Growing. Stay tuned. It's 95.5 WSB. All right, listening to Green and Growing, 74 degrees on Peachtree Street, and you're wondering what the weekend brings. Well, the weather update brought to you by Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz and our new radio meteorologist Christina Edwards uh, forecasting scattered thunderstorms for today, mostly cloudy, warm, and humid, high of 88, low around 71, and tomorrow much the same, high of around 90, partly cloudy, and a few storms possible. And as you get into the work week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, as far as I can see, highs in the low 90s there as well. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Number one, now's the time you can plant and enjoy the climbing vine, Sweet Autumn Clematis. It smells great. It's going to have jasmine, too, is going to have blooms into the fall. So think about that. I also recommended maybe a climbing hydrangea. It's not going to bloom for you in the fall, but it's a good time to get it established. Number two, pinch growing tips from overgrown coleus and begonias. Other summer annuals, maybe keep those stems cut back on the geraniums as well. And uh, keep mums cut back a little bit to keep them compact through the fall season because we know they're going to want to bloom soon. And number three, it's a good time to spray kudzu, a non-selective weed killer. Now, keep in mind that's something like glyphosate or something that is going to kill everything around it. It's non-selective. It, it doesn't know the difference between ivy and a grass and things like that. So maybe help make it a little more vulnerable. Mull all the visible leaves, you know, up above ground. Start to pull what you can. I mean, manual removal is going to be best, but I know it's backbreaking in some cases. So spray the kudzu. Uh, Bio-advanced brush killer is something that has worked well for me, but a lot of times things like that take uh, repeat applications. Triclopyr is an active ingredient that's really known to help uh, vining things that we don't want. And also Bonide. Bonide makes a product called Burnout. And Burnout, you'll have some success with that as well. And usually best to combat these things, A, when the leaves are dry, B, in the heat of the day, the sun is really going to help burn that chemical onto the leaves. And when it's an active growth, um, when things kind of start to slow down a little bit, the chemicals aren't going to work as well on them. So keep that in mind. 404-872-0750. We've got some great calls from all of you. Patricia and Kevin and Jan, don't go anywhere. I've got also the gentleman from Premier Tree Solutions, ChopMyTree.com, in studio, as I promised. Jeff Roth and Rafael Santiago. So call with your tree questions. There are so many I can't answer, but I bet these guys can. 404-872-0750. We'll be right back. You're listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. 7.37 on your Saturday morning. Hey, it's Ashley Frasca in studio with you for another hour and a half on Green and Growing. I love this show. I have a good time with it. It's been a year and a half. I can't believe it has flown by as well. So really glad that Walter Reeves, the former host of the Lawn and Garden Show, is still with us Every single week sharing knowledge. Um, in the 6 o'clock hour, 6.30 with Walter Wonders, we talked about tomato diseases. And that was such an, a helpful conversation. And so I've posted a link on the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page. 
um, to some of the things we talked about. It's on an article by Walter, but it's got identification uh, hints and tips and tricks on seeing what you think you have and then making sure that that is, whether it's any kind of wilt or blossom end rot or something like that, you can positively identify it based on this article with a lot of pictures that I posted. Um, and visit WalterReeves.com for a lot of that as well. I'm sure he has written not only one or two, but about 30 articles about tomatoes. If you're still having late season problems with yours, we can get ahead of it. Learn for next year. All right, in studio with me, Premier Tree Solutions, ChopMyTree.com. You hear me talk about them during the week and even here on the weekends. Uh, ChopMyTree.com, covering all of Metro Atlanta and now the South Side as well. Certified arborists on staff that really help with the issues that you may have with trees in your landscape and even different municipalities help that they need when it comes to storm damage, things like that. So Jeff Roth, owner of ChopMyTree.com and Rafael Santiago uh, with us today. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, Ashley, how you doing? Very good. Even better now that you guys are here. Thanks so good to have you back. So we're going to do this once a month because there's never a shortage of calls that we can take and things that we can cover that are going to help people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff, tell me about business and if there is a need right now for people to go ahead and get on the books if maybe coming into fall is a really good time for you to do some of your you know, maintenance work for folks, if it's limbing things up or those kind of sure, needs. Sure, Yeah, it, uh, we're in the middle of hurricane season, so uh, things are going to start getting really crazy. So it's a good time to go outside in the yard, uh, look up, see what your trees are doing. If you got a pine tree there and it doesn't have any needles on it, chances are it's dead. So That's a it, bad sign. <laughs> yeah, time to be removed. Also, uh, just look around the perimeter of the house. There's, uh, you know, I drive by homes every day and there's limbs growing over houses and touching houses and stuff like that. And, you know, in storms, a lot of times, bef- besides seeing the trees uproot and fall over, you just see a lot of broken limbs mm-hmm. and a lot of times just laying on top of houses. So. Um, also, uh, you could do a critter clearance where, you oh. know, a lot of times squirrels will hop onto houses and they usually can run or excuse me, jump around mm-hmm. 10 feet, maybe a little bit more. That's incredible. Yeah. So it's a good idea to take a look around and give us a call and see if we can help you out. It's a win-win. You've got large yeah. limbs over the house. It's dropping debris on your roof, which mm-hmm. may over time weaken your roof, but it's clogging up your gutters. Sure. So you're having to clean out your gutters sure. more often. And like you said, it's bringing the varmints closer to your house that's right and my gosh here in georgia if you have a cedar home you want to do everything you can to keep the woodpeckers and the squirrels and things away from your house and jeff what about you know with the storms and the high winds i mean some of these hurricane-like storms by the time they reach metro atlanta the winds i think that we sustained this week 30 to 40 miles an hour when a limb breaks off it'll almost become a spear and i've had some in my yard when i go to clean up after a storm i mean it's stuck in the ground yeah Like with the pointed end down, you know, and I thought, oh, God, I could have been standing there. That's terrifying. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy what some of these storms can do. I mean, this one that came through last week wasn't too bad. Yes, it was Fred, right? The remnants of Fred. I think so. Mm -hmm. It was more of a rain event, I think. It rained uh, pretty heavily for about 8, 10, 12 hours. Um, There's Peachtree Creek is blocked over here with uh, a lot of wood debris, and I was going to try to do that this week, but the water level was so high. So I'm going to have to wait to this week to yeah. clear that wood out of there. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of our interstates and things see flooding as well when that happens because mm-hmm. the drainage gets clogged up by, of course, just all kinds of trash and stuff on the interstates. But yeah. I had never seen the likes of what I saw with I-85, the southbound lanes at Jimmy Carter Boulevard. Literally five right lanes were underwater. Wow. 
and traffic was starting to back up all the way toward 120 and Sugarloaf Parkway, not because of any crashes or anything, just because everyone having to stay in those two left lanes just to not have the water come up to the bottom of their car. And Kirk Mellish is reminding everybody on Twitter, like, turn around, don't drown. Like, you never really know how deep that water is. You know, so the, the flooding is definitely an issue. And Raphael, I would love for you to talk about that, too, because when we have a rain event like that, that could be six to 10 hours of solid rain, there's only so much that the soil can hold. And then we start seeing, you know, the water ponding in our yards and stuff. What does that mean for the trees? Well, that's correct. And uh, back to what Jeff said, you have to look up in the trees and look for dead branches and, uh, you know, cracking trunks, splitting trees things of that nature, but also there's also uh, cases where you can't predict, right? And that's for the soggy soils. If it's, if it's too flooded, if it's too wet, even the healthiest tree could fail, right? That's when we see the uprooting happening, right? That's when you see what we call whole tree failure, yeah. when the whole tree falls down. And that's just because of the wet conditions and the, the, the tree will lose capacity to hold on to that ground, to the soil. And that's just completely unpredictable. And the soil is disturbed in such a way that it's either being washed away or just taken away from the roots it's not like when everything dries out the soil and dirt's just all going to go back into place you know and hug the roots i mean Mm. it's kind of washing away to where the roots have nothing to hold on to that is correct if it's too bad it's going to be it's going to get washed away and it won't come back you know i want to ask you jeff you mentioned too um my my brain works in funny ways and like bouncing all over but when you're talking about you know for a pine tree for example it doesn't have needles on it that's yeah. a problem yeah. i was in hendersonville tennessee last weekend so close to nashville and in our friend's yard it's this older home really established landscape like bigger pine trees than i've ever seen they're not the tall power pole type ones that have you know the needles at the top like the trunks were huge, and one was like multi-trunked. Those are what kind of pine is that? That was like the prettiest pine tree I've ever seen. Uh, up there, a, a, a yellow pine, loblolly. Wow, something like that. Yeah. A leaf, mm-hmm. buck, uh, long leaf. Yeah, uh, Buckhead has got some pines like that. Atlanta downtown, where they're just you know thirty, yeah. thirty-five inch DBH and one hundred and twenty feet tall. God, those were really something. Like we what looked cool at one trees. the other day. Uh, earlier this week, and it was about 120 feet tall, and it probably had 30-foot limbs on it. Yeah. It was unbelievably huge. (laughs) It's not common to see um, cold dominant pine trees. It's mostly just one trunk, right? Yeah. So every time I see one, I take pictures. Yeah, I should have. I mean, I sat out on their back deck and had coffee and just kept admiring, and my husband's like, God, you're a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about this pine tree. (laughs) Was it about like 30, 40 feet up in the air where it split? Yes. that's typically, that's common. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, thanks for that. See, like I said, you never know where my thought process is going to go. When I say common, I mean, basically, if you see a a pine tree like that, it's about 30 or 40 feet up in the air where it splits. Okay. Oh, amazing. 404-872-0750 is the number. If you want your tree questions answered, these guys are here to help. And um, if you have work that you need done and you want to get on the list right now and kind of have that in the books, Jeff, how do you recommend they go ahead and start to schedule an appointment with you guys? Uh, They can either call the office or go to the website, chopmytree.com, and uh, fill out the Contact Us page. Mm -hmm. And uh, Heather and Paula reach out to them and schedule an appointment with one of us. That's perfect. So what is what is the process there? Like first, you guys, do you send a whole crew out initially or is it just one or two of you and you're kind of looking at the job, kind of giving them an idea? Yeah, just uh, one of us will go out and take a look, 
assess everything, give them a proposal, and if they want to move forward, they can accept that right online and click on the link. Uh, that sends us an email that they're ready to get scheduled, mm-hmm. uh, and then we get them scheduled for there. Pretty simple. Yeah. No paper, just point and click. Good. Yeah. And there's situations, too, where you know people are trying to – they have a goal in mind or some project in mind for the yard, so they're thinking, well, we just need to take all the trees down you know, for, for whatever. But, I mean, there are cases when you can come to the house and be like, you know what, there's some we can limb up. If it's a healthy sure. tree, you know, if you're looking to get more sun, if they're just bent on getting you know, a warmer season grass in there and they need the sunshine, there are other options to go rather than just removing trees. And sure. that's what your crew is so good about is kind of looking at the whole picture and knowing there are solutions beyond just – chopping my tree down yeah i would say eight out of ten times that i go out mm-hmm. um i can tell that they want my opinion yeah. rather than hey i want the, a quote for this tree down and that yeah. one yeah they want to hear what i have to say should i take it down do i need to limb it up what's the what's the goal here that's and really then we good. go from there so just on the surface Raphael, when you're there in someone's yard what are you able to see that us with a common eye wouldn't necessarily notice what are you able to to garner from looking at that tree and you know make notes in your head about its health right um as i mentioned before first thing you have to look at is look up it's uh, look up on a canopy and see if there's any tip die back and most people don't really know what that is they just think there's, there's a dead branch here and there but you can tell when the the tip die back is all over the tree yeah. so some some people can't really tell that another thing there's a lot of science at the bottom on the root system okay and a lot of things you have to look for so I do a little digging around the trunk flare. I try to look for mushrooms. I try to see any exposed roots, any cracks. So things of that nature are the most common things I look at and most people overlook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, interesting. You look up, you look down. You can't necessarily just look at the bark and maybe you know see any outward signs term. of anything yeah. yet. So we will definitely talk more about tree health and kind of best practices as well. And going into fall, gentlemen, too, I want to pick your brains about really let's get a tree in the right place. You know, if we have trees in mind that we want to go ahead and establish in the landscape, giving some tips on how to make sure, A, it is the right place, you're, you're putting the right tree in the right place, but also planting it properly so that it's going to have its, you know, best life um, and, and not really have to be pruned or cut back or anything in the years to come, you know, as long as you kind of look at the overall picture and the space in your landscape. 404-872-0750 is the number. Before break, I think really quickly we can sneak in a call from Kevin. Good morning. How can we help? How's it going, Ashley? Good. I've got a question about Asiatic jasmine for you. Um, I'm going to... Project at my mother-in-law's house for her. She had some. She has a retaining wall that I'm going to have to tackle later. That's completely washed out, and I suggested putting down Asiatic jasmine and dwarf mondo to kind of control the erosion coming off of the front yard going into the back. Yeah. How long am I going to have to? How long is she going to expect for that Asiatic jasmine's root structure? as well as the foliage to really take effect and kind of block that water runoff from the slope in her front yard. Wow. So how long are we looking at before it really fills in? Yes, ma'am. Boy, that could be, I mean, that could really be a year depending on the the space that you're talking about. But as long as it's Uh, got... Go, it's go. about if I remember correct. If I remember correct, when I did my measurements, when I did the trench drains, 
on the side of her driveway. And the Asiatic jasmine is to kind of help those trench drains out because they're going to catch a lot of the runoff, but they're not going to catch everything. Yeah. Okay. I think I measured about um, five, a five-foot-wide area by 60-foot long. I so, think I think that's going to fill in pretty quickly, Kevin. Maybe even less than a year, um, because you know we know that it doesn't require a whole lot of watering. So just natural rainfall is going to give it what it needs. A slow release fertilizer, maybe applied in the first year, about three times, um, and the first one being you know in spring when it's, when it's an active growth. That's really going to help push it along. And I think you were so smart to suggest that. I love that. Um, People just, I think, fall back on like creeping juniper and things like that. And I, I bang my head against the wall when they do that. Asiatic jasmine's going to have that look. It's going to be really good. And then the Mondo as well. That's a little bit of a slower spreader, but the more sprigs you can start with the Mondo, the better off you're going to be. So have the Asiatic jasmine um, and a good fertilizing, you know, fertilization routine. And she's going to be well on her way. I think that's great, Kevin. Good suggestion. Thanks for the call. Got to step out, take a break, and check traffic and weather. And we'll be back with chopmytree.com. In just a few minutes, it's Ashley Frasca and Jeff Roth and Rafael Santiago on WSB. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, you're waking up to some overcast skies. It's going to be mostly cloudy all day, warm and humid with scattered afternoon storms. So bring the umbrella, keep that handy. A high of 88, low around 70. Tomorrow, almost a carbon copy, high around 90 for most of us. Partly cloudy and a few storms possible. And getting into the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's still going to be cloudy. Chance of rain, highs in the 90s. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. We'll get through the list quickly, and I see you've got some great calls for my guests. Chopmytree.com. Beth, a maple tree that has storm damage. Guys, I think we can help her with that. And Fred and Conyers, a large pine tree. The pavement's coming up around the roots, so we want to get to the bottom of that. But first, the to-do list. If you do nothing else this weekend, these are seasonal, timely things for you to do. Just step out on the balcony, the deck, into the yard. Pinch the the growth tips from things that are overgrown, like coleus and begonias, other summer annuals, and keep mums trimmed as well to keep those compact through the fall season. Number two, it's the time to plant and enjoy climbing vines. Sweet autumn clematis is one. It smells great. And consider jasmine, too. That's going to bloom in the fall and be really nice for you. And number three, now is a good time to spray kudzu with a non-selective weed killer. Mow over everything that's, you know, visible on top, all the leaves and things like that. And poison ivy, too, um, controlled with things with uh, triclopyrs, the active ingredient, bio-advanced brush killer in a blue bottle. That's something that's going to work well. And something that I really want to try, a friend recommended Burnout by Bonide. Um, that's going to work well. And whatever you can manually remove when it comes to maybe not poison ivy, but uh, kudzu and English ivy, manually remove what you can, and that's going to get you ahead of the game for sure. Taking a break. We'll be back to more of your calls and green and growing and my experts from Premier Tree Solutions Chop My Tree next. It's WSB. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.